three, two, one, go. Hello again. Welcome. Welcome to to Sparking Creativity, the Ethno Arts Podcast. We are your hosts once again. What's your name? I'm Justin. And I'm Trevor. It is good to be back. Episode three, we are talking about what? What's our focus today, Trevor? We're going to talk a bit about visual arts today. Visual arts. Great. Did I get that right? Yeah. So that means, does that mean you're an expert painter? Uh, it does not. I can paint a mean wall. How about you? Uh, I, I I can draw stick figures really well. <laughs> and that's about the extent of my abilities. Oh man, though, we are art appreciators, though. At least I am. I, I, love, I love the arts. I love museums. I love checking out uh what's going on visually and I wish I could I wish I could do it better and it's something that's on my bucket list to learn how to do better but we are definitely not experts but we're excited to talk a bit about visual arts in definitely the ethno arts community today it's something that when we talk about art or visual arts it's people put it in that category of kind of high art or fine arts mm-hmm. The kind that you would see in the museum, um, famous paintings, which is part of that. And I would think in, but in, mo- in most communities around the world and, and cultures, uh, visual arts plays a bit of a different role. While there probably are those that are reserved for a museum and something maybe considered uh, high art. We're talking about something a little bit different and more that takes place in the everyday yeah, that's a great way to put it, and I'm I'm questioning how I talked about it already, but that's how I was brought up. Art is a thing that's on a wall. It's something that you go and visit, and you admire, and you maybe have to be real smart to understand, uh, but we are talking about cultural art forms, visual arts that are uh, all around, and there's probably a lot of stuff that you've never really noticed or put in that category, but has a lot of meaning. So we're going to talk about uh, concepts about that, how it might link to identity, uh, similar to the past few episodes. We've talked a lot about cultural identity and the art forms um, that we see all around us and how they help us stay connected to our community. Um, You know, we saw that with the J community and the art forms that they uh, worked with and that kind of unlocked... um, worship for them. We talked about that with the Canela last week, or last week, last episode, and uh, how it was just so different than maybe what what you were familiar with or what I was familiar with, um, but is beautiful to the people who uh, have grown up listening to it and singing it. And now we're going to talk about that in another realm. Mm -hmm. So just a disclaimer up front is that we, we do have very limited knowledge on the topic. Um, We're speaking mainly from our experiences of this particular art form and what we've been told, um, plus a little bit of what we've been able to pull from some internet research. 
Um, but we want to invite those of you who are listening who do know more to share with us. You can uh, share your examples. You can share your stories to our, um, our email address, which is ethnoartspod at gmail.com mm-hmm. or at ethnoartspod on Instagram and Facebook. Yeah, and it's a little bit weird to be talking about visual art uh, in a medium where we cannot show you that stuff. So please check it out. We'll have examples. We'll uh, hopefully be able to direct you some great uh, information and actual visual arts that you can check out and experience through your eyes. That's right. We'll try to put some links in the show notes and and put out posts of some of these very specific images that we'll be looking at on those channels as well. The other thing to know is that today's is a little bit less of a, a, a full story like in previous episodes, but this is more of a beginning to explore this particular art form um, from these communities. And we've, we've pulled together from websites and articles, and we're working also to connect with contributors of a book that we'll talk about that came out a few years ago that are featuring these communities in, in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, so we will be revisiting this in the future and, and hopefully finding some more, um, uh, building a, a bigger, bigger story or a bigger picture of this. Um, but before we dive in, Trevor, can you explain to us our word of the day or our, our phrase or our... <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'll give it a shot. So uh, when talking about visual arts, one of the things uh, that we uh, come across is, is what we would call visual literacy. And it's similar to uh, literacy when we're talking about learning to read and write uh, in your own language. Uh, visualliteracytoday.org, uh, there's a definition there that says ability to read, write, and create images. Uh, that would be what visual literacy is described as. Uh, If you check it out on Wikipedia, another uh, edition of this would say visual literacy is the ability to interpret, negotiate, and make meaning from information presented in the form of an image. And this is pretty good for what we uh, use visual literacy to mean. Um, I also found a a quote from uh, a book by Fugelsang. I don't know how to pronounce that. Fugelsang. Uh, people have to learn to read pictures just as they learn to read the pages in a book. And that's not really something we necessarily think about um, every day, but the way that we interpret um, just images can can really uh, come from our culture and come from where we grew up. Um, there might be some images that we talk about today. Um, this is some foreshadowing uh, that you wouldn't understand at first glance probably because of the way you grew up and uh, with your own visual literacy. Is that okay? Is that a good definition? Yeah. Main point is, again, <laughs> just like with, we saw with the Canela example last time, um, it, when we hear it for the first time, we, it, it, it invoked, uh, evoked a different emotion in us, different feeling, mm-hmm. which then formed assumptions on what it would be used for. And we've seen a, a wide variety of that, um, that from different audiences interpreting the sound in different ways and assigning meaning to it. So the same thing here. Images, colors, patterns 
symbols uh, are going to have different meaning to different people. And what we're wanting to, to know is what does it mean to the community and how are they using it? Yeah, that's really good. So give us what you got. Tell us, tell us what you know about this art form and where it's from and what it means to the people there. Today we're, we're highlighting Aboriginal people from Australia, which there are more than one. Um, I am pulling from a website called Artlandish, Aboriginal Art Gallery website. Um, I was first introduced to this, this style through, through classes or trainings from way back when. And what stood out to me was just what we're talking about, how it was different. Um, I, I couldn't understand what the image was about until I was told what it means to the community. So we're going to back up a little bit. And um, before we get into some of the specifics, um, we just want to know first how it's used, where it came from. Um, the Aboriginal people are located in different regions of Australia. Um, the website here says that no written there's no written language so that they, they portrayed important cultural stories throughout their generations with symbols or icons in their visual arts. They would tell stories maybe to teach survival and use of the land. They would have educational uses for the, these uh, for the visual arts as well as teaching morals through the stories. So the um, the visual arts were a one of the ways in which they told stories, they kind of went hand in hand and there were important uses for that. Then you fast forward to 1971 when a, a school teacher named Jeffrey Barden was working with Abor Aboriginal children in uh, Papunya. He noticed that when the men were telling the stories, they, were, they would draw these symbols in the sand. Um, so he encouraged them to then paint their stories up onto canvases and, and the board, which began the famous Aboriginal art movement. This was a big shift for them because before, or putting stories onto these Western facades, they said it was a Ford concept to them. Before, hmm. they would draw it on, on rock and they would even paint on their bodies for different, different ceremonies and different things that they would be doing. Um, so this was a new thing for them, but it began to grow and blossom from there. Um, one interesting thing that it said was that these Aboriginal artists would need permission to paint particular stories. So they would inherit the right of these stories, which are passed down through generations within different groups. So an artist cannot paint a story that does not belong to them through their family lines, which I thought was, was interesting. Yeah, that's really fascinating. So there are a lot of different styles um, in the different regions in Australia, and we can't get into them all, but the, the website that we can link you to, you can learn more about and see a lot more examples. Um, one of the examples we'll look at is called a, a dot painting style. And if, this is kind of like a, a mosaic, if you imagine like smaller pieces that are put together to form a bigger picture. It, many believe that this came from um, 
that they decided to use this particular style was developed to hide information from white men when the Aboriginal people became afraid that they would be able to see and understand that their, their sacred and private knowledge told mm, in their coded story. in a way. Yeah. Um, so the dots were used to obscure some of the secret symbols and iconography underneath. Um, so you can see some examples of these. There's a, a, uh, a range of, of, of colors, and these smaller dots are formed into patterns and shapes and images. And uh, it's just one of the many variety of styles. It's very beautiful. I, I really enjoy looking at it. Um, but it takes. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It's gorgeous. I mean, it, it looks like it would take forever, and I don't understand the symbolism, but it's beautiful, to my eyes. So on on the website here from this art gallery, um, they they have uh, some articles featuring these different styles that you can go and look at, and and have a, have a different idea. I was introduced. Um, to some of uh, the styles through a couple of paintings. And I think one of them might have been a dot style originally, but they were of biblical stories using, uh, using some of these unique styles and s especially symbols and icons. Um, and what stood out to me particularly was when, when I couldn't guess what was going on when, when they told me that insider meaning was how they used to represent people in the stories. And so we'll put up a link also from, from the website. It's sort of a, uh, it, it, like a legend of, of different symbols and what they're used for. And the one that they use to represent people um, is just a horseshoe shape or a U-shaped. And so if you imagine like you're sitting down in the, in the sand looking, looking up from the top, you leave this kind of U-shape print in the sand from where you were sent where you were sitting and that's the symbol they use to represent people and there's a whole host of other symbols and icons where they combine it with this to, to differentiate between a man a woman or a spirit being or a sick person or a dead person and um, I encourage you to check out that link you can just see how different it is and so I'm I remember thinking that once I know that these are all people, it completely changes how mm -hmm. I interpret it. Um, one example we can look at now uh, is, a, is a painting of The Last Supper. Um, I found this on a website called Global Christian Worship. It was a, a blog started by a colleague of ours. And uh, from here, he linked to some other other sites and articles that I'll mention, but the one that if we just can look at that right now is um, obviously there's a there's a big cross there, so I, I assume there's some Christian meaning behind it. There's some things that look like trees, a sky, but then there's these horseshoe shape. A few of them uh, together it looks like maybe around a fire. This is definitely that dot pattern but now that I know that this horseshoe shape is people I can recognize okay so there's people sitting around something um, I I can't I couldn't couldn't necessarily think that, or be able to tell that this is the the Last Supper from here but you can go onto the this blog that we'll share and you can get um, the authors their kind of basic analysis 
of that. But that's an example of, of some of the those horseshoe-shaped people. And um, I think the one that I saw originally was uh, like the birth of Jesus. And so there was mm-hmm. there were several. There were some with staffs, and there were some looked like maybe the gifts that were out. Um, and all of them were facing towards this very small horseshoe shape, which was baby Jesus. It was very interesting. Yeah. I don't know if you, I, there, there's one that I can remember from training that was kind of a bunch of different scenes, uh, a bunch of different scenes straight out of the gospels uh, from the Bible. And so they were different. I remember teachers asking, what do you think this one is? What do you think that one is? Can you see what these stories are? Um, and I think one of the interesting things here is the perspective is so different. Um, it's not necessarily as if you're looking at the pictures um, from the vantage point that you would normally see them. It's almost not all of them, but but several of these that I've seen are from essentially from above, from the sky. It's kind of, you know, the, the one that you're mentioning with the cross um, is is a little bit mixed. So when you're talking mm-hmm. a horseshoe shape, the horseshoe being kind of the your the shape in the sand that your legs would make, essentially. Um, we always affectionately call them the butt prints, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if that's really what it was. But um, it was the, the perspective from up above, an aerial view. Um, and so in a lot of these biblical stories, you could see horseshoe, 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 um, and then, you know, a different symbolism for, for like the Holy Spirit, which was um, dotted lines around a double horseshoe, uh, or maybe it was a triple, it was, I think a triple horseshoe being the Trinity. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of interesting symbolism, but you had to figure out where do I shift my brain to be visually. It's not like looking at a picture of, um, you know, the, the Last Supper where you, where you see it as if you're in the room with them. You're, you're more likely seeing it from kind of a, a perspective up above that you can see a scene um, and not the perspective of oh, bigger, bigger people are in the background or in the foreground, and smaller people are in the background. That might be confusing to people who have the visual literacy of these Aboriginal art forms. To see a big person and a small person wouldn't necessarily mean one's further away and one's closer. It would more mean oh, that person's a giant or that person is tiny. <laughs> you know, there it would mean something different if your literacy. Uh, included a different perspective. So mm-hmm. I think that's important to note. Yeah, and so that has a lot of implications to how, like the messages and stories that, that we want to share. Absolutely. And for them, what I'm really curious about is how all of these got started with um, telling biblical stories through this, this, this art form. So next I want to move to an article that was from... ABC Radio National in 2017. It was written by Rachel Kahn. And it's featuring a book that was published by the Bible Society of Australia. This book is called Our Mob, God's Story. Indigenous artists share Christian faith through painting. And um, I'm in the process of, of trying to connect with some of the artists and the editor of the book uh, to learn more about this so hopefully we can get into this more but the 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 article i'm just going to read some excerpts of it 
is just sort of the beginning of of some of the the artists being exposed to the gospel message and and then moving into wanting to use uh, use this art form to share the gospel. So it starts out by saying that among the 73% of indigenous, indigenous Australians who claim Christianity as their faith, Max Conlon is an artist and a Christian minister in Queensland. He says, from, from his story in the beginning, I, I guess inside I was searching for love. I was bleeding on the inside like nothing else. I wanted that. I wanted to hear it from my dad, but I never heard it. Somebody invited me to church one day, so I went along. That day was meant for me. It was a divine appointment. The man was preaching that somebody loved me. My heart was popping, that Jesus died on the cross. I never heard that before. I gave my heart to Jesus that day, and a light switched on in my life. Max is one of 66 artists representing 41 language groups who have contributed their stories and artwork to celebrate the 200th anniversary of Bible Society Australia, the oldest continuous organization in the country. The result is this book, Our Mom, God's Story. The book represents an important shift in the thinking of Bible Society, which since its early days had primarily been devoted to distributing copies of the Bible and spreading the word. But as Bible Society Australia Chief Executive Greg Clark admits, the languages of the heart are different for different people. For indigenous Australians, he says, pictorial forms of communication are embedded in their traditional art. And Christianity has seen pictures historically as, as less valuable than the word there. Some of the metaphors for Jesus and God are word-based, but we can't limit ourselves to those things. There are just so many resources God's given to us to understand Him in the world, and a lot of things are visual resources or audio resources. And we're crazy if we limit ourselves to one form of communication. They all play different roles. With the Bible Society celebrating a milestone, Mr. Clark says that there's a need to be honest about the mistakes of the past. The missionaries who introduced Indigenous Australians to the Bible were also involved in suppressing indigenous languages and separating children from their parents. It's something we're deeply ashamed of as a nation and certainly as a Christian church that we have let people down in many places and many times, Mr. Clark says. We need to face that and be honest about that. And having done that, be able to explore some of the good things that has happened as well and learn from them. One of the lessons that is learned is the importance of using, quote, languages of the heart to communicate the gospel. Bible Society Australia is working to produce translations of the Bible in the very languages that were once suppressed. But it's a long and painstaking process. The only full translations are the Creole Bible of 2008 and the Torres Strait Creole New Testament of 2014. And this was as 2017, so maybe, maybe there's some more has happened since then. As communities wait for translations in other languages, visual art has an important role, says Safina Stewart, a young Bunjo artist from the Torres Strait. She says, I'm convinced Aboriginal art is an extremely effective way of sharing the gospel, both with non-Indigenous and Indigenous people, she says. I've seen how powerful it is to tell stories to people who have no idea about Jesus and Indigenous culture. And that's where it ends. 
so this kind of left me really wanting more like what yeah. what have they done with it what <laughs> what what's going on now and so i think this book points to a lot of that um there's a lot of different artists represented like we learned 41 language groups i can't imagine the the diversity that's there but so we know for sure that there's this kind of awakening that has happened and there's this art form is being put into the into the, the limelight and out front for for people i i, I saw a, a like a dedication video where um it's saying how it's spread and sold out and all around the world um and so i'm really hoping that we can track down to find out what are they doing with it what has been the the like how, how the aboriginal communities received yeah um not just the book itself that's celebrating their culture but also the 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 ones that are telling biblical stories and how how is that being used in churches or communities and and what is that um what is the impact that it's been having i'm really curious so i i wish we had more to share on that but this is sort of leading us up to where we hope hope to learn more but we see it's such a it's such a meaningful art form it's in their culture used to tell important stories and teach um, important lessons which certainly fits with the gospel and we see christian artists who are wanting to use their gifts in that way yeah and so i I can't wait to hear hear more and and the fact that it's it's completely theirs it's in their styles and they don't need all the explanations that you and I had to have to understand and appreciate yeah. the art forms. Yeah, and, and it's interesting. And it, it highlights something that happens all over the world, too. Um, and that is, I would say, more often than other art forms, visual arts ends up being a way for communities to connect and adapt to the world outside of them. Um and, and potentially sell their wares, sell their, um, where we worked their, uh, they call it their artesanatus. So they, they could sell the things that they made and they would find out, okay, what do, what do people in the broader community want? And, and so they would adapt and make things like um, something that they had a purpose for would look really good on a wall. <laughs> to to an outsider and whether or not you get the explanation or you get the history or you get the depth um you generally don't so it's really good to have a, a book like this something that you can that you can point to that you can explain the depth of that the beauty of it the historical uh, and cultural value in that um, but also it can be one of those ways that actually helps people become more empowered and you know, not have to give up their culture in order to, to, um, you know, feed their families. So, uh, I would hope that, that stuff like this happens all over the place. I know it does, um, that people appreciate other, other people's cultural artwork, um, to the point where, um, it can, it can help them, um, you know, find some sort of community development, economic freedom, whatever it might be that people in a community need. I think visual arts is a is a, a great way um, that people have found to to show their beauty. Um, Absolutely, and yeah, it can be profitable for so them many as well. so many applications. It's and I think in the majority of like the different domains of work, 
like in education or worship, scripture engagement. Um, there's there's a visual component to all of those things that um, that sometimes could get overlooked. And if without knowing some of this insider knowledge, um, it, it can put up barriers like we talked about, or it can communicate the wrong thing that it's not not for them or cause confusion. So um, how yeah. how important it is yeah. that communities have ownership of sharing the gospel in ways that are familiar and meaningful to them. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I think one of the things that we're always watching out for as we um, repackage information, whether that's um, you know Bible translation or these other other things, literacy, whatever it may be, we have to be aware of the things that might completely distract from the message um, because of this barrier between our visual literacy and theirs, because. Uh, it could be something very, very small that gets in the way of the actual message you want to communicate. I actually just used this with one of my kids today, and it might apply to to this. I'm not sure. <laughs> but um, I, I heard a quote just yesterday that was um, a mom telling her child, uh, okay, your mess is getting in the way of your message right now when you're trying to communicate something and maybe you're you're speaking you know at a louder volume or you're just really upset about something if you're trying to communicate a message sometimes the mess around the message or the packaging that it's in if you're really upset or you know perhaps in in terms of visual arts if there's something that doesn't make sense visually to the audience that you're trying to reach um it's going to obstruct the message that you're trying to to get to and you have to figure out what that might be and ask a lot of questions. There are so many questions you need to ask in terms of, of people understanding what is trying to be communicated because it's it could be something very simple that if you remove that, then people will go, oh, now I understand what you're trying to tell me. Um, and oftentimes I would say it's probably a visual thing um, that, that can get in the way um, because it's not lining up across cultures. Yeah, one of, so th- that's a really one really of the good example stuff. that comes to mind uh, that I've heard, and I don't remember where it's from, but it's in a in a community where the color white is used in in mourning, and they're watching mm-hmm. some Jesus video, mm-hmm. and he was wearing like a white robe, and they were like, "Is Jesus going to the funeral?" And mm-hmm. it's completely opposite of whatever was was happening, and but it was confusing, it was distracting for whatever was going on, and. Um, it's because in the original context or, or whoever made that film, white meant purity or it meant something different. Yeah, it's something as simple as what color someone might be wearing. So that's that's just fascinating. Absolutely. I think we've got several episodes in the future to oh, talk so, about all of this. So much. <laughs> this is so a good much. Intro. And, and uh, maybe you, our listeners, have some examples of this that you've seen where you live in the communities that you're a part of or things that you've heard. So yeah, uh, please send that in and share it. Maybe we can, maybe we can post some of that and share in our social media platforms as well. It'd be great to be able to kind of highlight some different things that are happening around the world, even outside of um, our particular episodes and be able to celebrate 
different cultures together that way. Okay. So as Justin said, uh, if you have any questions that this raised for you or uh, concerns with something we said, or you have something that, that resonated with you that you, uh, that you never thought of before, or if you have examples, we'd love to hear them. Um, if there's something confusing, anything, please feel free to email us at ethnoartspod at gmail.com. You could message us on Facebook or uh, Instagram. Those are uh, at ethnoartspod. You can find us there. We're going to share in the show notes and we're going to uh, share uh, visual visuals from, from each of these episodes, hopefully, but especially today's because we're talking about visual art. Uh, you can click on click around on the links and check out the websites and and books. I looked for that book and the website I found said that it was it was out of stock or out of print and I was disappointed. So hopefully that is something that we could get our hands on in the future. Um, yeah, and please share this podcast uh, if you'd like to. Uh, I, I'm sure we're supposed to say all those things like rate and subscribe and all that stuff so more people can hear it. Um, but we just ask that you don't share. Uh, these stories without permission, but you can again ask us, and we can we can work with you on that too. We'd love to to have more people hear these stories and uh, spread the word about ethno arts and what God's doing around the world. So thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks so much. See you next time. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. We would love to hear what you thought. What resonated with you today? What questions did this raise? Anything you'd like to learn more about? Maybe you have stories you'd like to share. Please feel free to contact us at ethnoartspod at gmail.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ethnoartspod. We also invite you to subscribe, rate, and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. This will help others to find out about the show. Please feel free to share the podcast with others. We look forward to sharing more with you next time on Sparking Creativity, the Ethno Arts Podcast.